Hello and welcome to the Becoming Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Anne Fancy. This podcast was born out of the intent to continue conversations off the yoga mat and into the world because so much of what we do in life is challenging and creates a whole lot of discomfort and so much of it is asking us to elevate, to rise up. And I wanted to find space to continue these conversations that we can all be a part of in our own process of unraveling who the world has told us to be and becoming a more true and honest version of ourselves. And even more so in simply acknowledging what it feels like to continue to wake up, to be more wakeful in this beautiful experience we call life, perhaps even this brutal experience we call life. I'm so grateful for you being here. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share it widely. Please rate and review us and subscribe. Hey, a few quick announcements for you. I have a couple great things I'm involved with coming up um, in the next six months or so. Barefoot and Free Yoga Festival takes place in Proud Lake, Michigan. Beth James puts on an awesome lineup of people who are in these conversations of growth, of yoga, of spirituality. It looks amazing, and I'm super excited to be a part of it. I do plan on being there both days, um, teaching a class one day and a discussion or lecture of some sort the second day. And if you're going to plan on coming, get your tickets now and use the promo code AN, all in capital letters, A-N-N, and you'll get 15% off your tickets. This fall, I'm offering a fall yoga retreat in northern Michigan. It's taking place in one of my favorite places in the world, Frankfurt, Michigan. We will have yoga, incredible private views of the expansive Lake Michigan, yoga twice a day, healthy food. My friend and chef Lynn Savino is coming and offering a wine and food pairing one of the night. You'll also get a ton of free time to explore the M22 area, the beauty. There's hikes on the property. It's 70 acres. It's going to be amazing. And I hope you can come. Spots are filling up fast. So reach out to me on my website and fancy.com and uh, we can connect. All right, enough of all that. Let's get going with today's episode. Hello, friends. Today, you get me. I've been having this conversation with students in the yoga room, but also just in life and with friends and with people who are really in this work, this metaphysical work, this work of expansion in so many ways about what does purpose really mean? And much bigger than that, like how do we get out of our own way? How do we bridge this gap between who the world is telling us to be, who your parents told you to be, and who you really feel called to be? And I think it's such a challenging thing for so many because we've become so indoctrinated in who we think we are that it's really a challenging work to get out of our own way and to break those habits. I've been reading for the last couple months here and there a book by Dr. Joe Dispenza called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And it's a fascinating book. It's about neuroscience and and spiritual, which those are like my two favorite things, right? If I can mix neuroscience with spirituality, I'm a happy girl. And I truly believe that spirituality and neuroscience are coming together in ways um, that those lines that seem so far apart are now clearly much closer together than we ever imagined. 
And Dr. Joe Dispenza's work and book absolutely works to bridge that gap. Um, And I believe it was in Chapter 7, he makes this uh, comment about this idea that there's a gap that we're all trying to move through in our own lives. And if you imagine that you're holding two hands up horizontally, your upper hand is the hand of who the world is telling you to be, all of your paradigms, um, all of the programming that you've experienced both from your family life and also from the world at large. And your lower hand, um, also horizontal, is your true self. And what happens is that there's so much space often between who the world has told you to be in that upper hand and who you really truly are, your real self in that lower hand, that there's a lot of things that come up in that space in between. And I've been saying something like this for years. I now know with a whole heart that much of my anxiety and depression is born from the disconnect between who I'm being and who I believe in my heart I'm intended to be or who I feel most authentic being. And when I'm not able to listen to that wisdom and guidance within myself, that is when my anxiety and my depression really rear its ugly head. I know I've spoke to this before, probably already even in this podcast, but for a lot of us it shows up as anger or guilt or shame or resentment um, or just plain discontent. And I'm, I, I started this podcast literally to help people see that there is a way to move beyond that deep, soulful discontent or lack of soul in your discontent because it isn't a way to live. And then we just end up filling up and fueling up with a thousand other things to numb ourselves. I talk about this all the time too, right? We find all these ways to numb the feeling that comes from being so far, that gap being so far, that gap between who the world says you are and the kind of person you're projecting, right? Because it's not not only who the world says you should be, it's how much of that you're buying into. How much of that are you allowing yourself to be infiltrated by the shoulds of the world, the buying, the consuming, and I am not pretending for one second that I am above that. I think that's the reality, right? I catch myself in those thoughts and moments so often, and I have to check myself. Like, what is that unsettled feeling? Oh, that's right. That's you caring about stuff that you don't actually care about. That's you putting in energy and time into things you don't want to. And I know this is easier said than done for so many of us. Because the big thing so often is that you have these bonds and these contracts with people who have raised you, with your family, with your friends, about who they expect you to be. And when you start to break those those behaviors, when you start to change, shift, and grow, people get really uncomfortable. Because if they're not also changing, shifting, and growing, you are a reflection, you are a mirror to them that says uh, they're not doing it. And... And also, it starts to shake things up a little bit. And people tend to get really, really uncomfortable. So much of what I encourage students to do on the mat, because it's what helps me the most in the yoga practice on the mat, is to really learn how to be with that space of discomfort. Because the space of discomfort is on the edge of something really beautiful. And learning to trust ourselves and managing that temporary discomfort, I think so often that is what's leading us to breaking free in lots of ways. So if you want to think about this upper hand piece, right, I think so often of it like, who are you, who were you in middle school, right? We were so concerned at that point about conformity. There's so many times that you go out in the world and you'll see tweens 
young teenagers who are dressed literally exactly the same way, right? Jean shorts, white t-shirt, certain kind of hat, certain kind of purse, certain kind of shoes, and they look literally like twins. And the brain says for a while, like, the world is telling you to conform, get in line, do it this way so that you can remember that you are lovable and worthy. And while we can all call bullshit to that from an external point of view, there's no doubt we have all played those games. And even me at the ripe old age of 38, sitting on the edge of 39, I can promise you there are still times I call my friend and say, what are you wearing to the funeral? right? Because I don't really know what to wear and I don't want to stand out in that environment. I think that what we are trying to do as people who are becoming more wakeful is take that step back in an effort to witness ourselves more clearly so you can start to see the ways that you have contracted in the relationships around you and that you're continuing to try to show up to keep everybody else comfortable and happy. And that upper hand stuff, that projection, those emotional bonds that you've created, you know, your family... How This is a great example, right? You go back to a family dinner, a family reunion, a holiday, and you find yourself falling right back into the role that you've likely outgrown in lots of other places. So, for example, if you were the youngest sibling and you're always babied and the babied and really sensitive, people are going to expect you to behave the same way, even if you've long past outgrown behaviors or coping strategies that went along with being the youngest of three boys or whatever that role is for you. We quickly fall back into it with those, those family systems that are so deeply ingrained w- within us. I mean, even as simple as every time that my mom would end up around my um, her mother and her sisters, it was like the southern drawl snuck back in, right? Like we fall right back into those grooves and rhythms of who we were told to be. And sometimes it's that you grew up in an intellectual family and you're an artist at heart, but you you went to college to fulfill the family goals or the family dreams or fulfill the, the role in the family business only to find that you knew forever that you were just absolutely not listening to the call of your heart. Or it can go the other way. You grow up in a, a, a group of nerds um, and you're an athlete or vice versa, you, you grow up in the athletes and you're the nerd, right? Like, And I mean those labels very loosely, but we can all understand them. And what, what happens is that as you begin to become more wakeful and more conscious in your life is those roles really start to f- not fit right. It feels like, to me, it always feels like when somebody buys you a gift, say at Christmas or Hanukkah, and they buy you a sweater, a watch, a necklace which are all really personal things to buy, and you don't love it. But because the person who gave it to you, you do love, you wear it. But every time you put that thing on, it feels like it doesn't fit you. It's like the energetics of the object, the outfit, the the sunglasses, the watch, the jewelry. You're so conscious of how it makes you feel because you know it isn't what you would have chosen for yourself. The problem is that for most of us, it's much bigger than simply putting on a sweater or a watch that isn't our personality. We've created a life that isn't our personality. We've created a life that isn't from our divine, true self. And in order to keep that image, that projection alive, 
not only does it take a lot of mental energy, it also takes a lot of maladaptive coping because you got to numb out somehow because if you didn't numb out, you would feel that discontent so fully. You would be walling, wallowing around in it and being called to change. And for many of us, that change is so uncomfortable because with it comes disappointment, disappointing others. Now, here's the thing that I want to talk about a little bit within this is that that true self, that divine self, it isn't necessarily a job. It isn't necessarily a life purpose like that you want to go like Christina Rinaldi and and save all the dogs of Detroit. It doesn't have to be that clear. So often those choices to come back and honor your divine self are made in the micro moments where you say yes or no to something because deep within you, you know it's the right thing for you or the right thing to say no, right? It's, it's, It's these baby steps, these tiny micro steps that allow you to just gently move in a direction that suits your high self. And I think of the the podcast interview here with uh, Lori Lipton, my friend Lori, and she gave this that analogy when I asked about best path. She said that your best path, she thinks of it like a highway. So whatever the highway is in your local area, um, for us, let's say it's 696. And for, for all of us, there is a 696 path, easy, breezy sailing, okay? And, and that doesn't mean that you're going to come to this point where you have this revelation and you know your purpose and you never stray off of it again and you're just like a train going true north. It's not at all like that for most of us, but there is a best path in the sense that when you get on the highway, you can move easily, and I asked, you know, does best mean easy? And I, my assumption at first was like, well, often it doesn't, it isn't easy. And she really pushed up against that saying, you know, when we are on that best path, it is easy in lots of ways. And I think what she means is that it's easy on the level of the soul. It's easy because there's a, an inherent peacefulness that comes when you know you're doing the next right thing. I had a conversation with a good friend after all of these conversations about purpose, and she was feeling a little discontent and then a little relieved to hear Lori's talk because, because purpose so often we think it has to be this, this divine revelation and all other things become, they melt away and you know where you're headed. And for many people, Purpose is lived out, again, in those tiny choices that you just honor the deep alignment of your heart and soul. So for my friend, that's a a nine-to-five job. Actually, I would say it's probably like an eight-to-three job or a seven-to-three job where she gets to um, be there for her kids, and she has a flexible schedule, and she gets to work from home, and she does things she loves at her job. Now, is she changing the world necessarily with her job? No, but for her, she gets to travel. She lives in a small house because she loves traveling. There's all of these really beautiful things that she's aligned for her life that suit her soul. And she knows when she's been offered promotions that ultimately that isn't her best path. So she says no because she doesn't, she's created boundaries around what her work life balance looks like. And does that mean one day that she might find a, um, something that? nourishes her soul even more deeply than what she's doing now? Sure. But that doesn't make what she's doing now um, lack purpose 
or less meaningful. What she's doing now is just as purposeful and meaningful because every day she has decisions to make about what kind of life she wants to create for herself and her children, and she's doing it. Now, some people have that life, right? That it's just the micro choices for now that lead you to creating a life that you feel good about, you feel content in, you feel meaningful about. And here's the other piece. I know her. And I know that really our purpose here on this earth is to continue to grow, to continue to challenge ourselves to grow. That's it. Are you stepping into your own growth and evolution? Because for for most of us, for many of us, that's it. It's just the evolution of self. That you're just simply stepping forward into your own growth day in and day out. And yeah, there are days that you backpedal. There are days for me where I cry all day sometimes if I need to because that's what needs to happen. By the way, side note, for those of us who are empaths or, I don't know, cancers like I am, uh, crying is very cleansing. So if you need to cry for a day, let yourself freaking cry, man. Nothing wrong with that. But the point is, is that in general, the trajectory of her life and of your life, is it on the path of growth? Are you allowing yourself to feel more awake? And what do I mean by awake? Conscious. Waking up metacognition. Are you stepping into the ability to witness yourself and notice when your life is being guided by that upper hand or that lower hand? Now let's go back to this highway analogy because I love to kill an analogy, number one. But this idea that there's a super highway of purpose. And for some of us, there is a divine purpose that is more of an umbrella over our life, right? Some people feel like it's justice or some people feel like they know exactly it. It's dogs. I'm meant to rescue them. I'm meant to make a movement in Detroit. Um, trying to think of some of my other guests. You know, for Lori, it's being a shamanic medium and offering opportunities for people to shift towards love, to heal the world with love. That's beautiful. We can look at, you know, Oprah or um, whoever your your favorite teachers are in the world, and you can see really clearly that they had a really divine purpose. And for some people, it's playing professional basketball or um, becoming a a movie star or uh, creating a very specific business. And I think that's amazing. I think that's phenomenal. But I realize even in my own discussion of this that I could very easily have left out or left behind or created more discontent by suggesting that everyone's purpose is that clear. And I don't think it is. I think that some people's purpose is simply choosing to move through their life and grow and evolve to the extent that they're able to move through pain and trauma and heal, to serve in very small ways, to raise beautiful children, to create a healthy relationship, to um, break, ha- um, break, break the, the imprints of trauma in your family history, to stop to break the cycle of abuse or alcoholism or um, all kinds of things. That is a beautiful, beautiful purpose. Now, on the other hand, here's the thing. If you're in the space of discontent, there's a really good chance. And by discontent, I mean you're not happy. And you're finding lots of ways to mute, numb, avoid your pain, whatever those things are for you. I've talked about them a million different ways. 
right? It doesn't, sometimes it looks really pretty, like obsessive exercise, and sometimes it looks really not pretty, like overeating or alcoholism or taking pills. And I don't have judgment on either side of that. Numbing is numbing is numbing. And I don't think there's a one way to live. I think we're trying to wake up to that. But if you find yourself even working too much can become a way to keep yourself super busy so that you don't have to acknowledge that you've got a huge gap between who you are and who you're projecting in the world. And what you're working to do in your life is that when you notice those moments that you are on the service drive or worse yet, you're off on the country roads, which I can promise you there are many times in my life that I was taking the scenic route to get back on the path, where I was taking the scenic route in the country and maybe, you know, crying under a willow tree here and there instead of doing what I needed to do. And there's been times that I have been driving down the highway and blow through signs that say wrong way and take some terrible detour, pretending to tell myself it was a shortcut and that it was going to be easier and faster and completely, completely, you know, with blinders on. And this, this life is not about judging that and feeling shameful or guilty about those times that you stepped off your super highway, or if you've never even quite found it, that you're always kind of in the neighborhood near it, but you haven't quite stepped onto it very often. It isn't about the judgment that comes with that. It's about trusting yourself that you do know the way, that you have a true north, that you have a super highway, that there is purpose for your life, even if it's in small daily acts, and that we're working as we become more and more aware of ourselves to notice when we're on the service drive, we're on the back roads, or when we're on the highway. And one of the most beautiful things that Lori said in that interview that was so powerful to me, and if you haven't listened to that one yet, please do, but one of the things she said that was so powerful was that when you choose to honor your, your, your true self, when you choose to step onto that super highway, you call back, maybe she didn't say it like that, but this is how I visualized it, you call back pieces of your soul. It's why you feel energized when you're doing certain things. It's why if you love art, the more time you contribute and commit to that, you literally feel more alive. And that is because more of your energetic soul self steps on board. I know the more I do this spiritual work and step into this voice and working through this, I feel more alive. And I don't I'm not, again, going to pretend that sometimes I don't also feel super sad and depressed and lonely and challenged and staring down some, some obstacles in my personal life, in my professional life, all of it. But it feels easy, at least, to keep knowing that I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing. And that's what we're trying to find for ourselves. I always think of the story my mom told me as a kid I think it's now called the Red Hat Society. And with it was some poem. Maybe it was born from the poem that said, when, I'm, when I am old, I shall wear purple. And as a little kid, I always understood what my mom was saying because she would point out old ladies at church that were in colorful garbs. You know, my, mom, my grandma had this friend, I think her name was Margaret or Marguerite, and she would wear these polyester suits in bright colors and she was this sweet tiny lady round in the middle little toothpick legs and I always found her to be so fascinating and joyful and she wore these bright vivacious colors 
And my mom would always kind of marvel at this idea that when you're old, you largely get to do what you want to do. And it never made sense to me that we didn't start doing that now. You know, as a little kid, you're like, why would I wait until I'm, you know, a million years old to learn how to be myself? It did not make sense to me. But now I can appreciate for so long the world told women specifically, but all of us, exactly how we want it, how it's supposed to be. You know, marketing, ads, the internet, society, movies, all of it tells you what you need to be worthy, to keep up with the Joneses, to stay in line. And none of that is ever, ever going to feed your soul. I did an interview with Brooke from Honey Studio, and I'm working on editing that. We had a couple issues there, but she talked about that reminder that, you know, that insatiable hunger that so many of us feel, that insatiable hunger, but we're so often trying to feed the hunger with the wrong things. And what I'm suggesting to myself on a regular basis and to you is to start feeding that insatiable hunger with the tiny, tiny choices to give back to yourself, to figure out what is that quiet whisper, that voice inside you saying, you know, you don't have, there's never a time in our lives that you're going to have a desire that comes from deep within you that isn't born of universal intelligence. That desire is born from source, God, the universe, the divine feminine, whomever it is that you put into that collective consciousness. Any desire you have in your heart to create, to contribute, to do, is born from the divine. So no matter how big, crazy, and impossible those ideas are, it's a really powerful thing to recognize that that is born from your high self. So those crazy ideas are are, are asking to be born through you. So who are you to not do it, right? Marion Williamson You know, it's not our lightness, our darkness that frightens us most, it's our lightness. It's that you're powerful beyond measure. Can you validate, are you willing to start to validate that the desires you have, whether it's as simple as a desire to speak with somebody in the grocery store and make a connection there, or those big desires to create something enormous and out of this world and crazy and faithful, either way. Can you honor that if it's in you, if the desire is within you, it's born of universal intelligence. It came from universal intelligence. And you are not set up for failure in those ways. You're not set up for failure. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy necessarily, but it will be fulfilling. And those those desires you have aren't inherently selfish. If you feel like you're called to create, to speak to somebody, to go home a certain way, all of it, it all comes from that universal intelligence, that database of knowledge. Your soul wants to choose the best path. Your soul is asking you to listen. There's so much power in your choice to reclaim yourself. And that is your purpose. Your purpose is to simply to grow and evolve. However that looks for you. For some of us, that just simply looks like expansion in this life. For some of us, that looks like major risk-taking. Big, big steps out into the wild. 
either way, are you committed to being the kind of 20, 30, 40-year-old that's willing to wear purple without permission from the world, but simply because the desire in your heart is to do that? Can we do that for ourselves? Can we model that for our children? Can we give our children permission to step into their own truth in that way? Right? There's so many times I can catch myself um, putting barriers or boundaries around my daughter and who she wants to be. And not intentionally. It's like these habits are so deeply ingrained within us. And we have to remind ourselves as parents, especially those of us working to be spiritual, evolving, conscious parents, to simply create the kind of soil that allows our children to bloom into the kind of person they are meant to be so that they can continue to shift this consciousness because the world is shifting. And if you choose to get on board, awesome. And you choose to get on board, you add more positive energy to the shift simply by choosing to reflect and live more from the lower hand of your life, your real self. And you model that for your children, and then they get their permission to also be themselves. And if their being themselves makes you uncomfortable, instead of projecting that onto them, which is what we all do because we're imperfect humans doing our best, do your best then to step back and give them permission, give that child permission to shine, bloom, and grow exactly as they are. You know, your skills and talents, your desires, your gifts to offer to the world have likely been cultivated over the many lives you've had before now. And those gifts and talents are there for you to use and share. You weren't given incredible artistic abilities or singing abilities or organizing abilities or leading abilities if you weren't supposed to use them. So figure out where your gifts are by listening, by meditating, by slowing down, by asking yourself deep, meaningful questions, by breaking the habits of emotional bonds that never suited you, by breaking the mold of who you have projected yourself to be. You have so much power within you, but if we give our power away by keeping the world happy, there won't be any to give to yourself, and ultimately, there won't be any to give back to the world. It's like this effed up imbalance thing, right? You disempower yourself by, by being who you think the world, society, is asking you to be. They're, they're literally, it's like, it's like a vampire sucking your energy dry. And when you start to piss off the world by not following suit anymore, by listening to your own guidance, by stepping into that truth, it's from that space that you actually are then able to not only energize your own self, but then contribute real light, energy, power, and beauty to the world. I'm so hopeful that this is connecting with you because I just feel like for so many of us, we can even be disempowered by the idea of purpose because it's been told to us that like everybody has this purpose and we've read that, we've read into that meaning that everybody has some magical, enormous contribution and maybe that didn't feel right for you. What I'm asking you to give yourself permission to do is listen to what does feel right deep within your being. Listen to that expansion and contraction energetically that happens. Notice if you tense up or if you feel free or expansive or excited. Notice what lights you up. You deserve this, this opportunity for growth. It is your single only job as a human having a spiritual experience. It is your job to grow and evolve. And in that, you support the growth and evolution of others. 
Thank you for listening as always. I so appreciate your time. If you've enjoyed this, please, please, please share, subscribe. Let's all be part of these conversations. If you know somebody fascinating that you think I should interview, send them my way. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for your time. And I look forward to connecting next time.